Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that uh, helps us and gives us the interpretation. And Lord, we pray, Lord, as well, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be upon us now, Lord, that we would receive your word. Lord, that you would make a change in our hearts, Lord. Lord, that we would go away from here knowing you better and knowing your will for us better. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the, wi- the, the words, Lord, to come out of my mouth, Lord. Lord, that they may not be mine, but they be, may be yours. Lord, that they would be to your glory and to your praise forevermore. Amen. Amen. So, we're looking at 1 Timothy, and chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Um, you may recognise the passage, because the passage continues to go on and talk about uh, this is how women should adorn themselves and uh, should respect their husbands. Um, but I'm not dealing with that passage, thankfully. Um, someone had that, else had that delight. And, uh, but when I was given this passage, I was like, well, why is it being split up? Why is it being split up? Well, as I, the more I looked at it, the more I could see the reason why it's being split up. And that um, although it ends with, where I read, I end, it, verse 8 ends with, uh, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up their hands without anger or quarrelling. This passage is so much uh, involved in the women and the children and everything. It's not just about the men. It is uh, just... Um, how do I put it? It is Paul writing to Timothy to instruct the men in the church, the leaders in the church, in how to, to how to live. But as as leaders, they they stand also as an illustration for how we should live. And uh, so, my, so this passage is very much about all of us. Uh, on your sheets, you'll notice that I have called this "All People, One God." Uh, that's my main heading. Uh, it has a very well-known verse in here for, in verse 5, for there is one God, there is one mediator between man and God, that is Christ Jesus. Um, and it is pray for all people. So the title, I think, speaks for itself. All people, one God. <coughs> and so as we get going, I want you to think um, about this passage. Before we get there, here's my introduction. I want you to do some work in your minds. I want you to think for yourselves for a minute. And answer these questions. I'm not asking you to put your hands up because I don't really want to know the answers, uh, particularly myself. Um, but I'm pretty sure that every single one of these questions someone will be able to say something about in their own personal life. So, first question. Do you know anyone who has fallen away from the faith and it feels like they may not return? Do you know anyone who has fallen away from the faith and it feels like they may not return. Or maybe you have been hurt <coughs> by someone and you don't know how to react to them or be around them. And maybe that, Christi- that person is a Christian or maybe not. But either way, the situation you find yourself in just doesn't seem to improve. Now, does that strike a nerve? Does that... Uh, affect anyone here or maybe another one maybe you've been trying so hard to reach other people with the gospel to share the gospel to other people maybe you've been trying so hard as a church and as an individual and you seem stuck because nothing seems to change and the efforts that you put in seem to fall into the weeds and get choked as soon as they grow 
maybe that hits a nerve. Maybe that makes you think of someone you're trying to reach or some people you're trying to reach. Now I set that and ask you those or imply those <coughs> sentences to you because this is a situation um, that is rubbish. It is a rubbish because no, no matter how hard you try, it does not change. Whether it be someone who has fallen away and, they, and you feel like they may not return, no matter how many times you go to them and plead with them to come back to Christ, or maybe the, you've been hurt or you've hurt someone and you just don't know how to get away from the situation. It's a rubbish situation. It's, and no matter how hard you try, it doesn't seem to change. Well, I think this passage is for you today, if that's the case. I can hold my hand up to every single one of them, know someone, done someone, hurt someone, um, been hurt by someone, trying to reach someone with the gospel, not getting anywhere. And it's horrible. And actually, it challenges your own faith in God and what's going on in the world. It challenges everything you are doing and everything about church that you believe in. And into that situation, this passage, I believe, is for you and for me. Because it is this very situation that Timothy finds himself in while he's trying to lead the church in Ephesus. He's been left behind by Paul in Ephesus to be able to appoint leaders in the church and to get rid of false teaching. And it's into that situation that Paul writes his first letter to Timothy that we're looking at and to give him instruction. And uh, chapter 1, to give you a little bit of um, the setting the situation, setting the scene. Chapter 1, Paul instructs Timothy to guard against false teaching and to remember the mercy of God that brings salvation. It's a reminder that we are not saved by our own efforts, but by the grace and mercy of God. And he ends the chapter by encouraging Timothy to hold on to the faith with a good conscience, which some have not been doing. You'll see that in last, the last few verses of chapter 1. Namely, those who have not been doing it. He names two people. He names Hymenius and Alexander. And he says, I have handed them over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, hopefully, on your notes, you have a whole list of my points. This um, originally started off as no points, and then my wife got hold of it, and it became, I don't know, four points with six or seven subheadings. Um, but that's good, because she likes to organise me, and I'm grateful for it. Um, but our first point is to pray for all people. Pray for all people. Well, that sounds uh, pretty obvious. It's the heading on the top of your Bible. Uh, this passage, chapter 2, it says, pray for all people. And then Paul starts with, first of all then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. For all people. What is all people? Well, all people is everything. It's exactly that. It's all people. All nationalities, all colours, all, all walks of life, all religions, uh, whether they are um, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, pray for them. Whether they are your neighbour, your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, pray for them. 
pray for all people, which would, incidentally, include those that have fallen away and taken the wrong path. You see, in we have chapters and verses. Uh, the original letter didn't have chapters and verses. It followed through. Paul writes to them, he says there, last, one, last verse of chapter 1, among whom are Hymenius, Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. And then he says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. It's no coincidence that those two names are there and then he commands them to pray for all people. Those two people have fallen away and he hands them over to say, not that they would be destroyed, but that they would know the grace of God and come back and return. Paul instructs us in other letters that, they, that he wants pe- uh, people to come back to Christ and, and part of discipline is to, to send them away so that they might know what they are missing in the grace of Christ and in the church and the, and the family. And Paul writes here to pray for all people and that includes those who have fallen away. And also, in fact, Paul indirectly wants Timothy to pray for all people including those who are causing persecution in the church. See there, he says, for kings and for all people who are in high positions. Well, why do I say that? It's about persecution. Well, if you think about the time that Paul is writing in, the current ruler is Nero. The current ruler is Nero, who is known for persecution of the early church, for killing and slaughtering Christians and people of the faith. And yet, Paul writes to them, pray for the kings and those who are in authority. The current rule of being Nero. And we know that it's easier to get angry and frustrated and even lash out or retaliate against those people than it is to pray for them. But you have to ask the question is that how Christ would have acted towards the persecuted church? Uh, persecute, sorry. Is that how Christ would have per- acted towards those who persecuted him? And your answer has to be a resounding no. He did not act in such a way at all and he was persecuted to the cross. What did he do? He committed them to God and he demonstrated the grace of God as he walked among them. So all people includes those who have fallen away and includes those who persecute us. It includes every race, every colour, every nation. All people. Now that is quite obvious. Really you didn't need me to stand up the front here to tell you that. But how about my second point then? Prayer puts the focus back on Jesus. See, Paul writes to Timothy about prayer and uh, urges him to pray because prayer for all people brings people and leads them to submission. Prayer leads to submission. Paul exhorts Timothy to pray for all people that they might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. To pray that people might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth removes faith from our own motivations and our efforts <coughs> and places faith in Christ Jesus, the only one who has actually the power to change the situation. Paul is writing to instruct Timothy in how to start the, uh, the church here, instructions on how to run the church, and he says, first of all, I urge you, and he says to pray supplications, prayers, intercessions for all people because it motivates you and it 
leads to submission to God. To pray for people pleases God, our Saviour, and removes the focus from the situation and brings us into submission to God's will. What is God's will? That's an ultimate question, isn't it? What is God's will? Well, I think we've told it here in verse 4. God's will is the salvation of mankind. Verse 4 it says, here it says, I start from verse 3, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's will is that he <coughs> desires the salvation of all mankind which is revealed to us through Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all people. And all this happened in God's appointed time. You see that in verse 6. And it is because of God's will that all people come to know the knowledge of the truth that Paul, then, is anointed a herald and an apostle. In verse 7. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I am telling the truth, not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. <coughs> a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. It was never in God's, God's intention, you see, to that salvation should be for the Jews only. It was never God's intention for God, the salvation to be for the Jews only. But actually the intention was that they would show the grace and mercy of God to other people, to other nations. That was what he set out for them to do. He set out so that they would show other people the grace and the love of God that they would come to know him. And they failed miserably. But Christ didn't. Christ came and he showed the love, love to the cross. As he died on the cro cross, he, he showed his love for those that he who are Gentiles, that's you and me, and those who are Jews. You see, God's plan always included the Gentiles. And God appointed Paul to make it happen. And this appointment is now being passed on to the church by Paul through the service of prayer. As Paul instructs Timothy, Timothy is to instruct the church, and as the church we are to do. And uh, Paul is reminding us that we need to pray here. Prayer is a service of holding out the gospel. Prayer reminds us that we are all sinners. Prayer reminds us that we are all sinners and that we need Paul. We need. Sorry, I keep losing my place on my notes. Paul reminds us that we're all sinners and we need Paul. He's writing. I can't even read my notes now. I will. Thank you. It's because I'm not used to these screens. Um, I usually print it out. <laughs> but I didn't get the chance. So, anyway. We need to remember that Paul is writing to Timothy who is trying to lead a church that is divided. A church that is divided. And actually, in this church, there is no doubt, and we've read that, if you read chapter 1, you'd no doubt see that there is a play to be, a battle for the top dog in the church. There are those who are bringing in teachers, teachings that uh, 
that are wrong because they want to be acknowledged and they want uh, to lead people in their way, not in the way of God. And there's a battle going on and uh, Paul is reminded of this battle. Paul wants the the church to focus on prayer because it brings the focus away from the situation. It brings the focus away from ourselves and to the one true God, the only mediator between God and man. And that is Christ Jesus. See, Paul says that, you know, come and pray for all people that they might know the truth, that they might know the gospel, (coughs) because actually we are all the same. We are all sinners in need of grace. All all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. (coughs) Prayer reminds us that we are all sinners. You can't come to God and pray for someone else that they might know the truth and know the gospel and be saved if you don't believe that God is the only one that can save and you are in need of a saviour yourself. That's what prayer does. It reminds us that we are sinners. No man is better than the other and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So prayer then leads to submission because it is only by God's will can things change. It reminds us that we are all sinners and all in the same situation together and we all need to come before the true living God because there is only one God and one mediator. Also, prayer challenges us to change. See, therefore, let us bow in submission to God through Christ and pray for all people that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing. You'll see that in verse 8. I desire that in every place man should pray, lifting up holy hands without prayer or quarrelling. And also, look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, For kings who are all in high, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. It is hypocritical to pray for gospel truth in other people's lives if we are not living out the gospel ourselves. The gospel, that is knowing Christ, changes people. And if you know the gospel, you have to ask the question, how am I changing as I get to know Christ more? And does it show to those around me? Prayer is powerful. Prayer leads to submission. It reminds us of our sin. It reminds us that there is one mediator. And it challenges us to change. And if you are praying for all people, you are not focusing on the situation. You are praying that the truth may be revealed, and that is Christ Jesus. And if you are praying that the truth might be revealed for someone else, you've got to be praying it for yourself. And if you are praying it for yourself and you want to know Christ more, then you've got to see, ask the question, am, as I get to know Christ more, am I changing? And am I showing that to those around me? Verse 2, it's clear, he says there, 
pray for them in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. That is the gospel, isn't it? Lived out. As the grace of God is given to us and we are given the gifts of the Spirit, what are they? Peace, love, compassion, self-control. If you put that into everyday life, isn't that living a quiet, godly life, dignified in every way? Or, in verse 8, praying without anger or quarrelling. That's the gospel lived out, isn't it? Because for all people, when we pray for all people, I'm sure there are people in that all people bracket that have offended you, that have hurted you, and actually, quite honestly, you probably just want to punch in the face. And that sounds, well, why are you saying that up here? Because there are people that are like that. There are people that wind you up. And if you dwell on them, and you dwell on the situation, nothing changes. But if you hand them to Christ, and you pray that they would know the truth, and the truth will set them free, and the truth will set you free, as you do. So prayer challenges us to a change. It is through prayer for all types of people that God's will is tapped into. And we act, when we act on God's will, then the situation changes because the truth is revealed and lives get changed, including our own. It is so important that we pray for all people that Paul says, <coughs> first of all. Verse two, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Notice how he starts, first of all, then I urge. It's so important you see, the structure of uh, the letter of 1 Timothy is that uh, there's this introduction about being saved by grace and how Paul is saved by grace so that he can bring on the, uh, continue the work of sharing the gospel to those who are Gentiles. And he's saying to Timothy, look, we've got to get rid of these people who are trying to teach false um, teachings within the church. And then chapter 2 starts to, say, to instruct how to run the church, how, to, how the church should, should run, and how Timothy should lead those he's, he's teaching to be elders. And he says, first of all. It's that important that it is the first thing that must happen within the church. First of all. Not after this has happened, or has been dealt with, or when we are in the zone, because let's face it, we don't like praying that often. If you're like me, we struggle with praying. Struggle with knowing what to say. We're probably a little bit repetitive. And some days you just don't feel like talking to God at all. But Paul says, actually, first of all, not after you've sorted it out or when you're in the zone, but first of all, first of all, I urge you then that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. I love that. Because it could just say, first of all, then pray. And it doesn't. And I read commentaries on this, and pretty much 90% of the commentaries I read said, well, I don't know why Paul uses all these different words, because they all mean prayer. I disagree. But, we are told to pray. But I love the fact that this is, we've got these 
few verbs that's uh, there's more than one verb you notice that there's more than one verb to divine de define what Paul is instructing because one size does not fit all one size does not fit all let's take a look at each one <coughs> commentators didn't have much to say so I had to do a little bit of digging and a bit of praying or a lot of praying um, and uh, I came up with what these look like, or I feel these look like. It depends on the version of the Bible you've got. It says either petitions or supplications. Um, ESV says supplications, and I think the NIV says uh, petitions. <coughs> and that is to ask or beg for something earnestly, humbly, and with persistence. I'll repeat that. To ask or beg for something earnestly, humbly, with persistence. You might think, well, actually, that's, that stands to reason. Petitions, you know, to beg for something, to 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 see if something can be uh, changed. But you've got to include humbly. To to ask and beg for something earnestly, humbly, because we come before the God our creator we come before the living God who loves us who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth and if we come before him knowing who we are and how we have sinned against him we can only but fall to our knees as we pray recognising that we are sinners and that he is the awesome and almighty God But this, we're instructed to come with petitions and supplications for those who have fallen away, for those who have offended us, for those we've offended, for every type of person, for the kings and those in authority. It isn't a case of, oh, let's just one, one sentence, pray it to God. To ask or beg. To ask or beg. In fact, we have the parable I haven't got the reference. We have the parable of the of the um, widow that comes to the king and keeps requesting that justice be done. And she persistently comes to the king and persistently asks that justice be, be done. And the king finally gives in because of her persistence. But how much more will the God who loves us and wants to hear us speak to him, answer our prayers? So, petitions and supplications. Well, then there's prayers. So, we have uh, with prayers there. Well, I put that down to a daily conversation with God. Prayer is something that we should do daily. It is something that we should do all the time. We should always talk to God. We should always bring everything. We, we talk about prayers and we, we say, I'll pray for you. And then we walk off often and forget. But the thing is about prayer is, it is you can do it there and then. If someone asks you to pray for them, you can say, I'm doing it right as I speak, in my head, to God. And then when you get the chance, you do it out loud later on. But prayer is any time, any place, formally, informally, daily conversations with God. <coughs> Intercessions. To pray on behalf of someone else. This one's lovely because Christ and the Holy Spirit intercede to God on our behalf 
And we are also called to do the same for all people. See, Romans 8.26 says, If you don't know what to pray, ask the Spirit to intercede for you. See, we have the Holy Spirit to intercede for us, and we are called to do the same for other people, to intercede on their behalf. There's numerous times when I've been asked by someone to just pray for them, and you ask them, what for? Can you give me a little bit of help on what for? And they're like, well, I just don't know. I don't know what to pray for myself. I'm in that place where I just can't, I can't answer that. And when we pray for them, we are interceding on their behalf. And you can do that for anyone. They don't, you don't have to be asked. <coughs> and then we have thanksgiving. Thanksgivings. We have thanksgivings. This can be an act of worship. <coughs> this is an act of worship. Thanking God for his answers to our prayers and thanking him that he knows what is best even when we don't get the answer we'd hoped for. That's hard to do. It's very hard to do when we to thank God for the answer that we didn't want or we didn't hope for. But also to thank God for the answers for prayer. I can give you an example for that. I've been waiting for a hospital appointment uh, to have an endoscopy and uh, <coughs> I got put on the list and I uh, this, this, I can't remember how many weeks wait it says on the list it says we don't have an appointment for you right now please uh, we will get in touch with you when we have an appointment date if we haven't called you within such and such a date call us so I called them they said don't worry I'll get in touch with you when we have a date it'll only be in the next couple of weeks and uh, I waited two weeks no reply so I called them and they said oh you're on the I've got a different person you're on the list um, but you're going to be waiting three more months to be seen and I was like oh, I, can't, I ain't going to wait that long I can't wait that long so um, we were praying about it in my home group in a Bible study group and praying about it and the night, that night I couldn't be there and I said to them I sent a message saying could you pray that uh, I speak to the doctor tomorrow that I get an appointment so the next day I rang the doctors and they gave me an appointment at a different hospital uh, within a week so I went I got a phone call that day it's been cancelled so I texted everyone and said please pray they're going to try and give me another date she gave me another date within a week and this time I got a specialist as well I went to that appointment last week and I asked them to pray again for me uh, that uh, everything would go well I'm not having the, I wasn't having the endoscopy which I thought I was going to be having, but I was going to see a specialist, but pray for that anyway. I went there. The guy thinks, says, I think I know what the problem is. I'm going to send you for an x-ray and for an endoscopy. I said, well, he said, you give this information to reception as you walk out, they'll book you in. Three days, I'm going back on Monday. And uh, amazing, isn't it, the power of prayer. Going from waiting three months to now I've got an appointment. I've actually got an appointment that day for the, the um, x-ray I'm going back for on Monday and then and I was with Richard pastor again and I said to him no, I haven't got my endoscopy appointment yet uh, I'm probably still going to wait for that for a while because they're booked up and so he said we'll pray he prayed I got a phone call that night can, can you come on Wednesday for endoscopy the power of prayer is awesome the power of God is awesome and 
he answers prayers and I am so thankful for that because I've been waiting for those appointments and, and uh, if you want to know what it's for I'll tell you probably afterwards but it's um, the power of prayer is amazing but it doesn't always happen that way does it <coughs> often the prayer doesn't get answered the way we want to we can be praying for someone praying the situation might change and it just gets worse and worse and worse well here you now know not to pray for the situation but to pray for the person that may, they may know the truth of Christ. But thanksgiving, come with thanksgiving, even if we don't get the answer we hope for. And thank God that no one is outside of the power of prayer and salvation. You see, because God's desire, verse 4, he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of, the tr- of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. (coughs) No one is outside of the power of prayer. No one is outside of the power of salvation. So we should praise God and give thanks for the fact that he wants to save everyone. It might not happen, but his desire, his will is that salvation is for all people. And thank God for all people. And yes, that includes the ones you don't like. Thank God for all people. Trusting in his will. <coughs> Mike Kendall, pastor of St. Nancy Evangelical, said to me uh, when I was dealing with um, an issue back when I was at Yelling, he said, you do know that God puts people into your lives not to change them, but to change you. just reiterates the message that actually... Prayer is, is so important that we should do it first of all. That we should intercede for people, we should uh, pray, put our petitions to God for them earnestly and humbly uh, persisting for them, continually, daily, but giving thanks for them and giving thanks to God for his answers, even then we, when we don't know what they will be. The message for us today then is the same as it was to the early church. We must first and foremost uh, pray for all people, trusting to God their salvation. Praying that they come to a knowledge of the truth that is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. It's amazing, that is, isn't it? And as we do this, we will own our own place before God and submission to him. You can't pray for the gospel and not live out the gospel. Therefore, let us bow in submission to God through Christ and pray for all people that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing. For this is the will of God and the church. I'm going to pause for a thought for a few minutes for you to think about that before we pray.
Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come before you. And we do pray for all people. Lord, we just pray for you now. Pray now, Lord, for those uh, that are in war-torn areas. Lord, we just lift them up to you, Lord, that we intercede for them, that you would bring them peace. Lord, that they would know you. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, we pray for those in power. We pray for those who are looking after this country now. Lord, who are making the decisions on Brexit and everything else, Lord. We pray, Lord, too, that they would know you and know the truth, Lord. And, Lord, as they know the truth, that they would gain wisdom. Lord, we just pray, Lord, for those here as well. We pray, Lord, that your word would sink into our hearts. Lord, that we would be changing, growing more and more Christ-like as we come to know you as our own Lord and Saviour. And, Lord, if there is uh, people, Lord, that uh, have hurt us and we don't know how to deal with, or those that have fallen away, Lord, we pray for them now, Lord. We intercede for them now. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, that they would know that uh, you are their saviour. And, Lord, help us also to realise that if they are forgiven, they are forgiven indeed. And, Lord, that we need to forgive and love them too. Lord, please help us each one as we, as we go our separate ways, Lord. But, Lord, help us now as we praise you through song. Lord, may we glorify your name. Amen.